0: this is what we have to do every time, even after a vote where people are sick and tired of the establishment, they're sick and tired of the squeezy, middle-of-the-road, squishy kind of Republican rhinos, and we vote conservatives in, then we have to fight tooth and nail in D.C. to actually be heard within the Republican Party.
1: This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hooper. Hold on, i got to remember how
0: to do this thing again, man. It's been a few days. Uh, what's up? Welcome into it. It is a post-Labor Day, post-Monday celebration. I, I am going to catch myself multiple times on this show. Telling you it is Monday, it is not Monday. It is a Tuesday, which makes it even better because this is our favorite Carpe Diem day of the entire week, setting the tone for the rest of the week. And it's already short, which means you get the weekend right around the corner here soon too as well. So welcome into it. This is the Voice Reason. I am Andy Hoosier, your Patriot on the Prairie, broadcasting live out of the heartland of America here in wichita kansas on our flagship radio station we are all over the country multiple radio stations and tv and podcasting however you watch or listen to the show your millennial general reporting for duty like we do every single day man this is the time man so when we come back from labor day i know it doesn't seem like that big of a holiday but it really does unofficially set the transition for the rest of the year and what we do for the rest of this year and into next year this is the time where now we are officially, unofficially into election season, where the campaigns, especially on the East Coast, for all you listeners out there, this is where they really start ramping up and annoying the crap out of you for the next, twelve, well, 12, 14 months. <laughs> but really, you being the first ones out there, New Jersey and Illinois and uh, all, you, uh, even Ohio, Indiana, that whole belt right there, you're going to start getting it. Also today, we have Congress returning back to Washington, D.C. for the fall session, which is going to be a load of hoots. And by that, I mean it's going to be us banging our head against the wall and uh, until we probably hurt ourselves and get a concussion because of how stupid they are. So we'll talk about that. We have a lot to get to on what's in D.C. Uh, with the federal budget, which is going to be an absolute disaster. Let's just be honest. So, And, of course, Joe Biden has COVID. So. I want to
1: be clear. I'm not going nuts. Oh, sorry.
0: Joe Biden doesn't have COVID. His wife, Jill, has COVID. Now, this is after however many booster shots that they've received, and yet they're still having to mask up and get their uh, new boosters because of the new variants because, well, the vaccine's working so well. Andy is keeping them safe. Okay, cool. But they're trying to blame non-vaccinated people for spreading it around, which is what they always love to do. So, uh, well done. Yes, you took the vaccine, and uh, it did not harm you, so to speak, and now you're still getting it. And I don't know how severe it is. Hopefully it's not that severe. Why? Because we're actually human beings. We don't care about uh, harming somebody else. We actually care about your well-being, even though we may disagree with you on politics. And even though we know you're a puppet and we know that you should probably be in a nursing home for your retirement plan, Joe Biden and Biden family. But nonetheless, we hope all the best to you, Jill Biden, and that you recover and that you stay off of those uh, breakfast tacos that are of the Hispanic descent. Because there's that as well. So uh, we have the return of Congress in Washington, D.C. Now, I, I tell you this again, the beginning of September, which if you get the newsletter, then you read this in the blog today. If you did not get the newsletter, then the hell's wrong with you, man? Why have you not signed up for the Hoosier Hoosierholic newsletter yet? You can go to it at HoosierReason.com. But the beginning of September is the beginning of a new phase. It is now the end of Labor Day, which means we are in the unofficial beginning of fall, although I wish it would really feel like fall outside and not the mid to high 90-degree weather still. I would take 60 degrees, and I would be very happy, personally, but nonetheless. The, uno- the unofficial beginning of fall, we have the school semester that's already started, We have football that's already started. NFL, everybody's losing their minds over that. We have Congress returning. We have the Supreme Court returning. We have a lot of things happening very, very quickly. So get ready, strap in, buckle up, because not only is election season here, but everything else of normal business is also set to kick into high gear as well. And we're going to cover as much of it as we can on the show. That being said, with the latest topic of the day... What's trending today? ...really leads to... The first topic, which we'll get into budgets. We have plenty of time to talk about budgets. That's going to be a very frustrating conversation for the next few months. But the Biden push really is the focus on student loans right now. And the SAVE Act, which is what the Bidens have come up with for a great plan to uh, try and save students on the disastrous student loan bills. Now, this is a prime example of how bad government handles issues. If there's a problem... You would think the best way to resolve it would be to address the actual issue itself. But instead, we have to create a program to complicate the issue even more. Prime example. And we can use this as the example of itself. If you have a loan that's too high of an interest rate and you can't afford the payments because the interest rate's so high, every month that you're paying on the interest as opposed to the principal and never paying down the actual principal because the interest rate's too high you as the individual in the private sector what would be your solution to solve that issue i'll give you a minute here you can think about it and yes we're going to play a game show here because you're probably way smarter than a fifth grader except for joe biden who's still struggling right now right can can we say that one come on man yeah get a life sorry all right i was being too mean start off the i'm in a feisty mood we're back at it after a holiday i'm gearing up and ready to go here so I ask you the question, if there is an interest rate that is too high and you can't afford the payments because the interest rate is so high you're paying all on interest and not on the principal, what would be the ultimate solution for that situation? As one, not the payer here, but the one that's actually loaning out the loans to the borrower, what would you do? Wow, they're not actually paying it down. Now, for most... If you're in the greedy sense, you'd be like, well, I'm not going to touch anything because I'm just racking up interest and I'm getting all the money here and they're not actually paying off their debt. So haha, we'll be here forever, which is what the government's wanting to do. At the end of the day, though, if you really did truly care about taking care of individuals then you would be like, you know what? Interest rates are too high. We're going to lower it. We're going to cap loan interest rates at two percent, three percent. Because it's really not about making money. It's about trying to give the opportunity for students to get an education. That would be the reasonable, rational thing. We're going to lower the interest rate. I think the prime rate right now for it is like 9%. And we're going to lower it to like 3%. So that way, you can still afford your payments... If you can't, then we can work on you with the low-income-driven payment plans and deferment and forbearance or whatever else. But we're going to keep it at such a low interest rate to where it's affordable for you to pay off immediately and very quickly because we know it's there for you as an opportunity for you to gain experience, for you to go and get your higher education, for you to get your diploma, and for you to get into a workforce with the degree that you got and hopefully be beneficial to you and succeed in life. That is Theoretically, what they tell us the goal is for something like a student loan and the reason to take out thousands upon thousands upon thousands of student loan debt. However, that's not what the SAVE plan does. As they're concerned about interest rates, what is the plan for the government? Not to simplify it and just lower the rate and cap it, but to do this. According to the Washington Post with their SAVE Act, why Biden's new SAVE Act student loan income-driven plan is a (laughs) game-changer. According to the Washington Post, obviously endorsing this plan for many student loan borrowers, interest capitalization has been bane on their existence. It's why loans that may have been reasonably affordable become financially uh, debilitating after use of deferment or forbearance. And for those that know my story, that's exactly what happened to me, bouncing back and forth between paying on loans and then putting them in forbearance. And my original balance of near $20,000 for a loan went up to about $30,000 a loan and finally getting them back to their normal balances all these years later. I'm the prime example of this. I see it. I get it. I understand it. This is why it's screwed up. Balances balloon when borrowers' monthly loan payments do not cover the interest because it's tackled on unto the principal. Interest is then applied to the new, larger loan amount. This is how debt grows over time and can make monthly payments unmanageable. But under the new income-driven repayment program, the Saving on a Valuable Education Plan, also known as the Save Plan, borrowers won't see their balances grow even if their payments do not cover the interest they owe. This could be a game-changer for folks who would otherwise be trapped in loan payments for decades, according to The Washington Post. So in other words... If you can't pay the plan that you signed up for and the payments are now coming due, you're out of college or you're towards the end of your college and you're trying to pay these back and you can't afford the monthly payment of four to $500 a month, for example, and you can only put $200 on, normally it would rack up the interest and boom, now you have a $600 loan payment the next month and it goes on and on and on. For these, apparently, that's not what happens. Likewise, Like other income-driven repayment plans, SAVE calculates monthly payments based on the borrower's income and family size. It is now a more affordable payment plan, according to the Department of Education, where there are many great features. Some that were implemented in the plan that begins in July 1st of next year, but the one thing about interest capitalization that's now in effect saying, let's start with the amount of income protected from payments. That benchmark will increase from 150% to 225% on poverty guidelines, meaning a single borrower earning $32,000 or less or $67,000 for a family of four will not owe a loan payment. Borrowers who earn would save more than $1,000 a year on their payments compared to the income-driven repayment plans. The Education Department estimates more than 1 million low-income borrowers will qualify for the 0 payment plans i'm sorry did we did we take out loans and now you have to pay them back right but no no if you don't make enough then we're just not going to charge you at all it's just going to sit there your balance will maintain there until we can come up with a plan meaning the democrats and joe biden until we can come up with a plan in order for it to be forgiven and then poof it just disappears but if you can pay it awesome if not not a big deal don't worry about it these aren't the Droid joe looking for we'll just wipe it under the rug And you can just sit there without actually going down. And again, complicating the situation more than what it needs to be, right? Because we would think if interest is the issue here, largely caused by the interest rates being raised by the Federal Reserve, while they say they're trying to help individuals, they now say, sorry, no, no, you can just pay what you can. At the 225% above the poverty guidelines, really $67,000 for a family of four. If you make less than that, you can apply, and then you don't have to worry about paying it. And it's all great. a $0 a month, which means pay what you can when you can, put it on the back burner, and then continue to live your lifestyle. Continue to do your thing. Now, if you're making $67,000 with a family of four, it's probably not the easiest for you right now. It's manageable. You can definitely make it manageable, but it's probably not the easiest for you with interest rates and inflation where they're at right now in the country anyways. But, especially for $32,000 for a single borrower, but again, that's manageable. You can survive off that. I know it's a triggering word for others who like their avocado lattes and a really expensive car loan and really expensive mortgage who think they can live outside of their means. They're like, oh. have any money but the reality is that's what can happen but they're complicating the situation lower the interest rate lower the interest say you know what it's a federal government loan anyways we can set the loan because we're the federal government we're the ones holding it we're going to cap any interest rate on student loans at three percent two percent because we don't want to make a bunch of money off of you we want to actually help your education but then that brings up the oh it really is about making money It really is about controlling and bringing revenue into the government, which is the entire purpose. It's not to help you get an education. It's not to further your education. It's not to be there to help you. It is there for the government to find a new revenue source because they're not taxing enough, apparently. They're not bringing in enough revenue, apparently. They were talking, what, $5 billion a month they were losing over the past few years because of this freeze on the federal student loans. And the government's losing their minds. Oh, we're spending too much and we don't have enough revenue coming in. Got to find a way to bring revenue. Hey, let's start a student loan program and we'll jack up the interest rates and make people pay for it. And then if they can't pay for it, it'll sit there. It won't go anywhere, but we'll just halt your payments to where it's not going to be your priority to actually pay off. Literally the worst financial advice you can tell a young kid. I know it's a bill. I know it's an obligation that you have to pay back. Eh, not a priority. Not the first thing that you need to have on the top of your spreadsheet when you do your monthly pills and your payments and actually trying to pay things off. Doesn't need to be that. Go ahead and get that avocado latte. Then if you have a couple bucks, throw it on that student loan and we won't charge you any interest. The other guys, oh, get ready, buddy. It's the voice of reason with Andy Hoosier.
1: fighting for freedom every day. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. So I have
0: a new theory regarding this push for student loans right now as it is, as we go into the federal budget. And as you know, we've teased this a little bit. We'll talk more about it as the discussion goes along, but the federal budget's increasing by $2 trillion this year which means we're going to be back at the level of what we did during the pandemic when we did the massive bailouts across the nation. That is our new norm of spending. And by this time next year, the new spending level will be even two trillion times higher than what it is even right now. Two trillion dollars higher than what it is this year, which is going to be an absolute disaster. I said in our blog this month, which you can find on HoosierReason.com, that we're no longer the wily e. coyote standing on the edge of the lift, uh, cliff looking over. We are the wily e. coyote that's over the cliff, with our body already starting to sink and our heads trying to stay afloat with the science saying, "Oh no," because that's where we're at right now. Uh, but I have a new theory. As we see this massive push again for masks and vaccines and the COVID lockdowns that we could see going into the next year, it's a little early for that to be happening during election season. Although uh, I would see that would happen anywhere between January to February. Oh, it's flu season and COVID hit again like last time. But they're doing it a little bit early. Why are they doing it a bit early this time? Well, they're wanting to complete their social socialist social agenda of trying to push for more social programs from the federal government in the budget that they have not been able to do. For example, student loan forgiveness, which the student loan forgiveness failed because we're no longer in a declaration of emergency, so therefore the government couldn't write off all of that money. So the new social experiment is, oh, hey, if you're poor lower income and i say poor with air quotes right now if you're lower income then we will freeze the interest accruing on your payment so therefore if you qualify your payment will be zero and then any money that you pay towards it will just go towards the principal and then you can make whatever payments that you're available to do so after your avocado latte because well that's the priority after you do your world traveling after you pay for your whatever Then you can pay for your student loan payment and will accrue zero. According to the Department of Education, they will not charge any monthly interest not covered by the borrower's payment, which means it's set. And you'll pay a little bit towards that, and then the rest will go towards the principal helping out. Now, if you're above that, then obviously you can afford it. You bunch of richy-riches, and how dare you even think that you could qualify for a government program to ease your burden of the student loan. You have to pay your fair share, you big jerk, because, well, you're rich, and therefore you're the part of the 1% that can actually just afford your student loan payment with the interest continuously accruing at a 9 or 10% rate. And therefore, it's just up to you to pay back. And how dare you think that uh, to, that you should just have that written off as well because life's not fair for you. You are the privileged in society. So the reason they're pushing COVID now, Andy, what does that have to do with student loans? They want the official wiping away of the student loan program. And the only way to do that is under that declaration of emergency. They instigate phase number one. We freeze the interest for the low income. We're trying to help you get this back on your feet, trying to get the payment plans all set. Oh, no, you can't afford it. You have all your credit card debt because we never taught you finances. Don't worry. We'll declare another emergency later, and then we'll wipe it away in advocating for the government to spend more money above the $2 trillion increase that we see this year Then we have to spend more because, obviously, it's a disaster economically. People can't afford everything, even though the economy is doing wonderful and doing great. And then we can wipe away and look at that. The Biden administration was the Gandalf riding on the great white horse coming to save the day. The point of the SAVE plan, according to the Washington Post, the plan eliminates 100% of the remaining interest for subsidized and unsubsidized loans after a scheduled payment is actually made. It eliminates it. If you can't afford your regular payment with the interest, don't worry. We'll just make you pay whatever you can without any interest on it. Now, everybody else, you have to pay that interest, how the government makes its money. But you, you're the less fortunate, you're the victims of society. You're the poor and destitute. We're here to take care of you. Don't worry. The government's here to take care of your well-being. And it's phase number one. This is the absolute social experiment. This is the absolute socialist movement in this nation. And therefore... We're going to help those, you, everybody else, screw you, pay your damn bills, and pay us the money along with all the taxes you already pay because you're not paying enough and you have to pay your fair share to subsidize the rest of society with all the interest that they're not paying on. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Reason Meets Radio. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. always a pleasure to have you along for the ride as we kick off a post-Monday, a post-Labor Day celebration, which by the way, if you did enjoy then and you got some time off, then happy Labor Day to you. We did, however, do a deep dive if you not, did not get a chance to hear it. We did a deep dive over the weekend on our syndicated program on the history of Labor Day and labor unions, which as you know, not... A big fan of some of those labor unions out there, or really any labor union. But uh, a lot of celebration for those that enjoy that uh, communist organization that is a labor union. <laughs> sorry, just have to put it out there. I know that's uh, a sorry. I know I anger people. They get so mad at me. Stop it! Stop it now! I'm sorry, I'm terribly sorry. Welcome back into the program. I want to shift gears a little bit. Uh, I had a message on the video stream in the or the audio stream. Uh, just over the break about the student loan repayment plans, the SAVE Act right now, where, yeah, you know, if you can make the money, then you can pay it. You can pay it with the interest. The government needs that money. How dare you think you don't need to pay that? But if you're lower income, like 225% (laughs) below the poverty line, which is a hefty sum right there, that's almost $70,000 for a family of four. Very livable to take care of a family on something like that. If you do your finances properly, although it is difficult with the inflation rates and interest rates from the federal government, and yada yada, we can go on about that. But uh, if you can't pay it, then don't worry. You can just pay what you can. We'll stop the interest, and you just pay on it, and we won't charge you any interest because we're the government, and we're here to help. We're not here to help everybody, only the ones that we want to help. And the best story, if you remember, and was brought up on the video feed was, yeah, during college, My uh, the Communist Party at college were selling the newspaper, and I went up to try and buy one, to try and read what shenanigans they were saying, and they were like, well, it's a dollar, but if you can't afford the dollar, you can just take it. But if you can't afford it, then you can pay the dollar. Well, how do you know if I can afford it or not? Well, we're not going to, it's it's on just the fact of you paying the dollar or not. Oh, so I took one. Because that's the mentality we're now applying at the federal level. If you can pay the student loan, cool, with the interest, that's what you have to do. Government needs their money. But if you can't, Well, freeze the interest. You just pay whatever you want to. Wow. Absolute lunacy. Let's shift gears a little bit here, shall we? What's trending today? I want to shift gears to another issue regarding some money, but it's an ongoing battle that we've seen for years. And it's finally starting to happen, which is a very concerning issue as the bail bond industry. And we don't talk much about it on the radio program, but I think we need to talk about it more so than what we have with the bail bond industry. And as you know, the massive attack nationwide, largely funded by George Soros and his, or now Alex Soros and his organizations, going after bond, saying that it's racist. Or at least discriminatory to try and have someone pay for a bail bond to get out of jail. And instead, the courts just need to say, well... Uh, okay, you committed a murder or whatever, let's just throw something out there, and eh, not a big deal, we'll go ahead and just let you out by the court's decision, not by actually making bail, as they've gone after now Illinois being one of the first states to go after the cash bail and trying to ban that one. To talk about some of that and more excited to have back on the program, it's been a long time since we've had him on, way too long, Uh, from the American Bail Coalition, it's Jeff Clayton on the line with us here. Jeff, how are you, my friend?
1: I'm great. Sorry to follow a communist holiday.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, it is unfortunate, right? I mean, I, I enjoy a day off to be able to barbecue, but it's a little frustrating when we uh, really look at the history of what Labor Day is all about. Kind of ridiculous, but the the communist movement's not getting any better because now they're coming. They've been coming after your guys' industry is the bail bond industry for a long time, but this is actually starting to happen now.
1: Absolutely. And you know, it's all about, uh, I can't afford my bail, so it doesn't matter. I shouldn't have to get to jail. And that's the communist world that we're going to be living in here
0: soon. Wow. What's going on in Illinois? Because this is, they passed this now, haven't they?
1: Yeah, I was just reading up on this this morning. And basically what has occurred over the last several years is they decided to become the first state to eliminate money bail, but then put it off for three years. Legisl- or The uh, prosecutors challenged it as unconstitutional, saying, You know, you can't get rid of bail unless you ban it in the Constitution, which we've seen in a couple of other states that have done that. You have to do that. Well, the Illinois Supreme Court said, no problem. We'll just get rid of money bail. The legislature can do that. uh, And that's where we stand. So we just found out this morning the first act of the Illinois Supreme Court is to deny due process uh, because they can't comply with the law uh, by having court hearings. We're going to do them all virtually. So now if you're going to stay in jail in Illinois, you know, you're going to have the, you know, victims testifying by Microsoft Teams and the prosecutor on Zoom. And, you know, you'll be in your jumpsuit in jail trying to argue for bail now under the new uh, under the new system.
0: Wow. So what is the alternative? What's going to happen here if you don't get, if you don't post bail, call a bail bondsman, post bail to be able to walk out of jail after you commit a crime? What is the alternative process here?
1: It's called a system of preventative detention based on risk. And what does it mean? It means we have a tiebreaker. We say you can go to jail and you stay there the whole time. You don't get any chance of getting out or you don't, and you get out for of jail for free. Now, how do we decide that? Well, in Illinois, the legislature has made a list of crimes, uh, and I'll get into the crimes that are not on the list, which is pretty absurd, but the list is very narrow. So the amount of people that are going to be staying in jail now, based on this new procedure, is going to be a lot less than under the old procedure, which is you afford your bail or you don't, and if you don't, you stay in jail.
0: Man, and we just, again, we just talked about the student loan payments where if you can't afford the payment, we're just going to go ahead and freeze your interest to where you can make whatever payment you can. But if you can't afford it, then by golly, why aren't you paying it? We're going to come after you for every month that you actually don't pay it, and we're going to accrue the interest at a ridiculous amount thanks to the Federal Reserve raising the prime interest rates, so on and so forth. So it's that social experiment, that socialist movement of pay it if you can, don't pay it if you can't. That's totally okay. We'll take care of you. They're applying the same thing now to the bail bond industry.
1: That's right. And the problem there is that it's incentives. That's what bail is supposed to do. It's supposed to be a third party putting up for you a financial guarantee to make sure that you show up in court. And if we say, well, we don't need that and you can't afford it and we don't need a financial guarantee, well, then there's no incentive to do anything. And that's what's going to happen in Illinois. If there's no bail, nobody's going to show up. All the people that walk for free, well, that's one problem. Uh, They're going to walk for free and they're not going to show up for court. And the other problem is that half the people that should be in jail won't be.
0: What it almost sounds like is that we're going to see what we like the courts that are backed up with the immigration office with illegal immigrants coming in. Where, all right, your date's set for like six years from now. They never show up, and then they spend their entire life here while we're continuously playing backup, trying to track people down from a court date they missed three years ago, and we don't have the resources to actually go and do this. Are they trying to just put more criminals back on the streets? Because that's what it sounds like right now.
1: Well, you have a Democratic legislature saying we think money's unfair and we should have an individualized full-blown due process hearing within 48 hours, except we're not going to give anybody any money to do anything. We're not going to give prosecutors the money to make the motions and have the hearings. We're not going to give the defenders any money to defend them. And we're not going to give any judges any more money to have any more judges to hear them. So what do you think is going to happen? Exactly what has happened, which is they're just throwing their hands up and saying, well, I guess we'll keep in as many people in jail as we can have hearings on. And that's it.
0: That's insane. We're talking with Jeff Clayton with the American Bail Coalition, uh, with the Bail Project. Talk about, first off, the Bail Project. What is the Bail Project?
1: Yep, so this is another case that happened in Indiana. The Bail Project was bailing people out to prove that we don't need money bail. See, because they'll show up anyway if we post their bail using George Soros and other charitable money that they got through the Kamala Harris fundraising effort a couple of summers ago. They got $100 million. So they're going to bail people out, destabilize the system. Well, unfortunately, they bailed out some folks that they should not have bailed out who went on to commit serious crimes, not just in Indiana, but elsewhere. And so the Indiana legislature had had enough and decided we're going to regulate them. We're going to say you can't just operate uh, unregulated. And, of course, they challenged that case in federal court, and we can talk about the result there.
0: Yeah, let's talk about it. I mean, it's I love these programs because every time they say, oh, it's going to work, these social experiments, they come back and backfire big time on them. So what was the end result by this?
1: Well, you'll love this one. The Bail Project said that posting bail is protected First Amendment speech, and thus the government cannot regulate us. Now, every private industry in the United States would love to make that argument and not have to deal with regulators, and we certainly would, but that we knew that one was going to fall on deaf ears, and it certainly did. Uh, But the second argument uh, was that you were discriminating. You were forcing the Bail Project to have to do something that nobody else had to do. Well, the reality is that the bail industry is regulated by state and the federal government's Uh, And so we face, you know, extensive regulation, probably more so than we would want. And so it, it wasn't unfair. And the Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals said, no, legislatures are on firm ground to regulate people who are going out and trying to destabilize the bail system. And anybody that's really posting bail in the criminal justice system is subject to state regulation.
0: Wow. I love how they can complicate this stuff more than what it actually needs to be. So if they have a choice to where you can get out or you can stay in jail and just run out your time, aren't we going to see a massive increase in people actually staying in jail, which is going to cost the taxpayers more? Or is it going to be a mandatory, okay, you've uh, qualified based on the certain crime that you committed, so now you're not going to and we're actually going to force you to not stay in jail and you're just going to walk out and just go back to your own business?
1: Well, I would predict that the jail populations are going to be the same, but what's going to happen is more people are gonna get out that shouldn't get out, and the people that stay in are gonna stay in longer. And the net result will be we have the same number of jail bed days. But the problem is, like we saw the federal system when we went to this model, the time to trial increased from sixty days to three hundred and sixty five days. And you can already get a flavor of that in Illinois, right? We can't even handle the hearings to decide if you should stay in jail, much less determine if you're guilty or innocent. So It's going to backlog the system and cause major problems. Yeah.
0: Well, and we're just trying to get caught up from the backlog we saw during COVID, aren't we? I mean, are we back to normal in the court system in general after the COVID-19 pandemic?
1: Well, we should be. I mean, that was just the latest excuse we heard, like from the Houston court saying first it was the hurricane and then it was the pandemic. And last I checked during the pandemic, there was nothing else to do but work. So I don't know what the backlog was all about. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, I know they had problems with social distancing and the amount of people that could be in a certain room. So at least here in Kansas, where our flagship is, I know we had some major backlogs uh, with a lot of court cases because they couldn't put juries in there. They couldn't actually do any cases. And it was a disaster. I think they're close to being caught up now. But golly, it's just going to complicate things even more. We're talking with Jeff Clayton, the American Bail Coalition. Jeff, can you stick over one more segment with us? Absolutely. Awesome. I want to continue this conversation about what's going on in Illinois, Indiana, how they made theirs, and some of these other states. What states are on the docket right now as they continue to attack this uh, bail bond industry, the cash bail that uh, individuals get to enjoy? Because, yeah, we can walk out if we post the bail, the investment of a third-party private entity ensuring that they can get out of jail as long as they show up to court. That begs the question, if you're trying to get rid of that, Do you really want the people to go back into court and actually get their punishment, or are they completely rehabilitated by the slap on the wrist and say, Don't do that again? And you can see how well the crime rates are going across the nation as well. We'll do some of that when we come back right around the corner for a Tuesday on the Voice of Reason. Stay here. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Oh, how the time flies right on by. So much to talk about, so little time to do it. It's great to have you along for the ride. Trying to cram that 10-pound reason into that 5-pound bag. Trying to rebrand the Millennial Generation 1 radio listener at a time. We're hanging out with Jeff Clayton with the American Bail Association, or the American Bail Coalition As we talk about the bond industry, cash bail being attacked on all fronts. Illinois already starting to get rid of it. Indiana having some issues. Jeff, how many states right now actually have legislation or are actively working on trying to rid themselves of cash bail?
1: Uh, Well, it's quite a few still. I think we're going to probably expect probably five major fights next year. I think several states are looking at constitutional changes. Those include Delaware and Connecticut. Uh, There's been some conversations in Michigan, Minnesota, uh, always conversations in California, uh, which has the highest bail rates in the country, if you can believe it. Uh, and I think we're going to continue to see attacks on the criminal justice system and the bail system going forward.
0: Yeah, I know you said that the the legislature passed it in Illinois. It was approved by the Supreme Court because that's just how progressive they are, unfortunately, in that state. But where does the attorney general fall into this? Because you would think that the head legal person for the state with being the attorney general and that side of things would have a say in this as well. Is this is is that why? We're seeing an investment from the Soros family into certain attorney general races around the country. And is that having an impact on it as well?
1: Well, it's hard to say. In this case, I think, you know, I can't really blame this particular attorney general because I think he did what he was supposed to, which is defend the craziness that the legislature passed. (laughs) Uh, And, you know, whether he could have taken a walk on it and just had somebody else defend it, I don't know. But I do think there are attorneys general that are uh, pushing progressive criminal justice reforms in Minnesota and elsewhere that we've seen. Um, that are problematic. And I think uh, you are seeing uh, a push at the legal, judicial level to reform things when the legislature can't seem to get it Where the activists want it to go, uh, that we'll go through the back door and have the judges or have uh, the attorney general issue an opinion uh, saying that we have to do something or that something's unconstitutional that we previously thought was constitutional.
0: Yeah. Let's go down to the local level for a second here in the last few minutes that we have. And uh, this is pure, I guess, speculation, except for maybe the social experiment that we've already seen with the failure uh, with the bail project already but let's talk about law enforcement and their role in this because already we hear from law enforcement across the nation especially in many rural communities i'm coming from kansas and a lot of our state patrol and and uh, county sheriffs and and uh, you know city police uh, let's say someone gets pulled over for a dui and you know what uh, sometimes if it's on a dirt road in the middle of the night. It's like, do I really take these people in for a DUI, fill out all this ridiculous paperwork, take myself off the streets for this long uh, for something to probably never happen because of connections, because of money, because of whatever, so I'm not going to enforce it the way I probably should be enforcing something like this. If we have criminals, uh, Chicago, for example, since Illinois is passing this, criminals that have drugs, that have guns, that have issues, they go into jail, they turn around, walk right back out because of the system and the way they set this up. What's the what's the, the the incentive for law enforcement to actually go out and arrest these individuals, to process the paperwork, to put them in jail, to quote-unquote get them off the street if they're back out in less than a couple hours?
1: Well, you've hit the nail on the head, which is criminal justice reforms over the last 15 years have stood for the proposition that recidivists, those who do it over and over again, we're going to be easier on in the name of protecting the poor. And therein lies the problem. I mean, right, we, we do have sympathy for the first timers. But when repeat criminals aren't punished and, are, and get out, it sends a signal to law enforcement there's no reason to enforce the law. And it sends a signal to the public that there's no reason to follow it. And that's a problem. That's where we are right now, right? Everybody knows that we can't put every person who shoplifts in prison for 20 years. But if we put one in for 20 years who does it a bunch, we send the signal to everybody else not to do that. And that's why things have broken down. So uh, that's what it comes down to is we need to change uh, the message at the local level to if you do repeat crimes, uh, the system's going to get you. Uh, And that's ultimately the way to get get on top of this crime wave
0: yeah is law enforcement coming out against these policies
1: generally not i mean from what i've heard from sheriffs around the country and uh law enforcement in urban areas who are generally silenced because chief police chiefs of police aren't elected but the law enforcement that i've heard of they want to crack down on recidivists they think people should have to secure their release to get out of jail and they don't think get out of jail free cards work
0: yeah Amen to that. It's Jeff Clayton, the American Bail Coalition. It is an important issue, and it's something as we continue to see crime rates rise all across the nation, we have to pay attention to this. This is one of the the few measures that's actually in place that was working and working efficiently to keep really bad people behind bars and be able to let some of those first-timers out, like you said, and making sure we actually show up to court, we get punished the way we're supposed to, let the legal system play out, but apparently... That's racist, man. Not allowed to do that. Jeff, we appreciate the time very much, my friend. Keep up the fight on this. Let's get you back on and do another update here soon.
1: You got it, it was great being
0: on. Hey, absolutely, always a pleasure. We'll do it again here soon. Until then, podcast up in just a little bit. We're back at it throughout this week, and we have a lot to talk about. Election season officially here. Congress back in session. The budget debate. The student loan debate. So much to do, and also a little time to do it. So we'll have fun. Until then, be your own voice of reason. This is the voice of reason. I'm Andy Hoosier. We'll see you on the radio.